Interview with the Podcast Vampire is a retrospective on the filmography of living legend Tom Cruise, hosted by Dale underscore A, Jonesy Loves Beer, and Slim. Risky business interview with the podcast vampire. We're back. Jonesy loves beer. Writer, welcome back. Uh, I prefer writer extraordinaire, but I'll take just the simple write, uh, writer moniker for now. Thank you for making that sacrifice. Dale underscore a noted alcoholic father. Welcome back to the show. Great to be back. I mean, we've been. Uh We've been trying to get to this for a while now, so it's you know it's time we get down back to risky business. Nice. And uh, then after this, I will resume my alcoholism. I just need to pause for a, for a moment that I think this is my so far favorite musical score intro to a Tom Cruise movie, and what stunned me to my core is that the same people that made this music did Dale Underscore's favorite piece of music from the movie Legend, Tangerine Dreams. Who are these people? These people are geniuses. What is going on? Tangerine Dream is like math rock. I don't know if that's a real thing. I think it's a real thing. I don't understand what it is, but they're very instrument heavy, instrumental heavy. Mm. They're spellbinding too, obviously, as you're as we're listening together. Spellbound. Like this this music, I love this piece of music. It's just so creepy and it fits like you just just picture yourself like walking into a Starbucks in slow motion and there being a woman or a man that you fancy and you're just like creepily walking towards them. This music needs to be playing. Not that I advise doing that in any way. Yeah, as you as you know, you walk up behind them without them hearing you. It's probably but that's their fault. <laughs> and then there's steam out of nowhere in the Starbucks. <laughs> so much you can't even see. Yeah, you ask the other person if you if they want you to leave. They say no. I want you to put this oh. espresso on my back. <laughs> Wipe this espresso <laughs> down my back. <laughs> All right, so Risky Business is a Tom Cruise podcast, obviously, as you heard from Jonesy's uh, static intro. But once again, as my wife pointed out, we are, we're in a movie where Tom's trying to get laid. I feel like that's 99% of his movies thus far. <laughs> but one, probably one of my... Uh, I don't know how I, how I feel about this movie, but this is it. We're but that's still, why we're here, this, to talk it, about it. Yeah, yeah obviously, this is this is the movie that Everyone's seen the clip of Tom dancing in his undies. And this this probably set him off into superstardom, I think. But what is what is risky business, Jonesy? All right. So risky business. Uh another vehicle uh for Tom to portray a horny teenager. Uh and really I don't know if you'd call Tom the pioneer of the horny teenager drama <laughs> slash comedy. 
Uh, but he is certainly a leading figure uh, in conquering the uh, the last frontier of uh, horniness. Uh, he plays Joel Goodson, uh, who, like his last name suggests, is a perfectly good son oh. in every way. Uh, you know, he's a great student. Now he's he's you know not he's like an A minus average kid. He his dad really wants him to get into Princeton. Um, he is virginal. He's really scared of screwing up his future by having sex with a, a teenage girl. And he's also on the precipice of his parents leaving for a week long trip. And he smokes cigars with his buddy Booger from Revenge of the Nerds. And I, I know he's got a real name and a different character it's, name, it's but I can't Dawson. ever. Jonesy. <laughs> I can't ever not call him Booger. So, I And I just want to say, while this is going on, one of the creepiest friends you could ever have. I would not want to be within five feet of Booger he's, in any instance. He's always wearing that olive military jacket on his way to Harvard. Uh, so... His hair, there's a family of rats living in his <laughs> and hair. He, I mean, he wears the most feminine blouse shirts of anyone I've ever seen in a movie in this in this flick. More so than Rebecca De Mornay. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to think they had the same, not just not costume designer, but the same costumist dressing them yeah. every day on set. It might have actually been Trivia Booger. I think he dressed a lot of the actors in this movie. <laughs> he, he himself was the costume designer. Uh, so anyhow, Booger says, you know what, Joel? <laughs> Sometimes you just got to say, what the F? Uh, you know, you're horny. You need to get it in. And next week is your opportunity. So you know what, folks? Uh, Joel is a free man. And... Uh, He is gonna cut loose. You know, Booger um, does the old rope-a-dope, as Dale likes to call it, and uh, has Joel uh, call this transgender prostitute, to which Joel is like, not exactly my cup of tea, but the, the prostitute's like, hey, call this chick. She's everybody's cup of tea. And it's none other than young, uh, gorgeous Rebecca de Mornay, uh, as the happy hooker Lana, and uh, Lana expands Tom's horizons in a way that only you can in an '80s uh, teen romp comedy, uh, and that's when it really goes super downhill for Tom. You know, you would think uh, there would be zero consequences with your relationship with a hooker. Uh, however. That's not the case. We follow the consequences with hilarity. You know, his dad's uh, Porsche that he's not supposed to be driving. You know, he's kind of uh, stoned with his hooker girlfriend, and the Porsche gets dumped in the lake. You know, he's with, just, um, he is... Uh, with Balky uh, Bartokamas. Oh, who looks 60 in this movie, by the way. <laughs> I was going, I thought the same thing. He, how is he in high school? He should be in a, an old person home this entire film. He's, he looks at least 45 years old, this movie. So uh, let me wrap it up real quick. Uh, Tom, Tom and Rebecca join forces 
in order to put the uh, you know to put some money back in Tom's pocket so he can uh, repair his dad's car and also uh, the same night they decided to open a brothel in uh, Tom's parents house uh, the Princeton uh, advisor comes to do the interview for his big chance at going to Princeton University and of course Tom's like here have sex with these hookers in order to help me out and uh, well, eventually, he says that. It well, just well happens. it's understood. And uh, we have uh, quite an ending where Joe Pantoliano, in, a, in an early uh, role for him, plays Guido the pimp. And uh, he basically scares Tom out of the pimping business. And uh, at the last minute, Tom is able to pull it together and get into Princeton. The business was truly risky along the way, however. As risky as the terrible lip sync scene for this song. I mean, if anything, I stress out more over Tom's lack of lip sync skills. It's like in the very beginning, he didn't even know the words, but he's trying to lip sync anyway. I don't think anybody realistically was looking at his lips when during that scene. They were looking at his, his A cheeks. His tidy his, whites. His, his legs. They wanted to see that, that package. I Was that Tom's choice to keep pulling down the shirt tails? Because I think like maybe the director might have been like, more ass, please, Mr. Cruz. And he was like, no, and kept pulling down that dress shirt. You have to leave something to the down. imagination. Yeah. You know, he, he already revealed the, the goods in Endless Love. He's got to put the, the mystique back in the bottle. <laughs> Put the, the genie cheek. back at the bottle, if you will. Yeah, yeah the proverbial a cheek mystique. <laughs> that that <laughs> lip sync dancing, I don't know. It stuck out as something a lot more popcorny than the rest of this movie. This the movie whole, the, was heavy. Yeah, there, it was very heavy, and cinematically, there's some very heavy scenes which I thought were gorgeously shot and I actually just researched the cinematographer and the director and they didn't do Jack S after this <laughs> pretty much but I mean the sex on the train scene um, you know some of the zooms to his face wearing the sunglasses there's a lot of like gorgeously shot stuff and then you also get you know the popcorn stuff and then Lana who I would almost consider like an escort as opposed to a sure, hooker. she gives she know, gives the whole maybe, girlfriend experience, you know, if you pair. She does. Pair she really does. And also psychopath uh criminal experience as well. Poor Tom. But yeah, there's some definite uh, weird tracks that this movie went on that it, I don't think it really vibed mm-hmm. very well together. It did not vibe. I mean, no. Booger, obviously Booger sets it on its own path. Um Pincho, you know, someone's father going to high school. <laughs> And how is this, how is Bronson, it's Bronson Pinchot, right? That's his name? Yeah, that is his yeah. How is he a ladies' man in any movie universe? Zero chance that that's happening. I just don't see it. There's nothing about him that screams boyfriend material. Uh, hey, book. at least he got more screen time than Booger because, like, without his facial hair, he is the most awkward-looking human being on the place of this planet. <laughs> He looks like a young Cactus Jack. Booger does. <laughs> he looks like he like he's dressing to take Jonesy's place in Paper Keg Nights with his blouses. <laughs> his open halter top, shoulder over the shoulder blouses that he wears. Yeah, but uh, so 
Tom makes some of the just the dumbest decisions. I know he's a kid and we all make dumb decisions, but I feel like he should have pulled back maybe 30 times in this movie. I mean, he's driving his dad's Porsche. They ha- he has like the most prototypical 80s movies strict parents. Like they're they were amazing actors. And I would assume that that dad would check the mileage on that car. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when there's no other way to keep track of it. That's what he's doing, especially when he stresses the fact that he should not be driving it. All right. So uh, even more unbelievably, uh, the car is said to be stated as a $40,000 car. They Tom is only able to make $8,000 in one night, to which he has to split between what's about 70 hookers, uh, the the pimpish Rebecca de Mornay. So we're to believe that they fixed and entirely ruined a Porsche for about 900 bucks. I mean, like, the math does not add up. It's the 80s, you know? Who knows what's going on in those 80s, Jonesy? There, I just felt... I mean, as soon... It's like... Happy go lucky when he dances in his underwear and he eats a frozen TV dinner. But then it goes to like major. I felt uncomfortable when Lana was totally like moving into his house. It, I just there were so many times where I, I I just felt like awkward for him because he was just totally being taken advantage of. He was, and he kept going yeah. back to Lana. There was the one point where she totally effed him, oh. where the car, the 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 is it a Porsche? Yeah, it was a Porsche. Mm-hmm. This is awful Porsche that doesn't hold up at all. It falls into the lake, and it was entirely her fault. She went from like, you know, let's be boyfriend girlfriendish for this period of time, and then she just like goes nuts when he asks about her past, and his life is over at this point. It's finished. Yes. He's destroyed yes. this car, and he tracks her down, drives, takes the train, whatever, how many hours, days it takes, and then just goes into her arms, and she, and he, like, sobs into her arms. I was expecting him to just, like, punch her in the I, face I know. in that and, scene. And she's just looking off, hand the rock, hand the rocks the cradle style, with, she's like, she's, <laughs> like, formulating her next plan on how she's going to screw him as he's sobbing, and she's totally taking advantage of the 17-year-old kid. And hello, how does Guido get the information of where this kid lives if not for her giving it to him at the end of the movie? So the climax of the film, uh, Tom basically gets the car back. He's made the money. He's, he's headed back home for a much you know deserved rest. And the house is empty. Guido has found out where he lives, found out. You know, slash being informed by Rebecca. Well, there was and there was taken, fifty other hookers at the house that night. He, you know, he could uh, have a the, network. I'm blaming her square well, in, sure in he's the probably, face. Probably right. And uh, so has to give the rest of his hooker winnings to Guido to get the furniture back. Like that guy could have just shot him. Like <laughs> he's a criminal. Yeah. What are you doing? At that point, beg the, the mercy of your parents to spare your life <laughs> instead of making back alley deals with a pimp to get the furniture back. Right, because you know what? Guido shows up two weeks later with father and mother home and is like lying <laughs> about... puts a bullet in their head. Yeah, or just like blackmails Tom Cruise even more. 
in front of the parents. Well, the movie, I, I mean, the movie sets it up for risky business too because uh, he says uh, the Faberge egg is going to be three forty. Give me the forty, and you owe me the three. You're good for it, right? And you're like, oh, this is risky business too. Revenge of Guido. I think that ended up. It. Risky Business Two ended up being Collateral. That's who Tom Cruise played. He played the same <laughs> character, just molded a lifetime, molded by Guido, and now <laughs> yeah. an, ass- an assassin. <laughs> That's right. And then you know, at, by the, and then after that, like. He totally screws his Princeton interview, which is fine. He could care less whether he gets to Princeton or not. His dad was stressed. But then, like, saves the day because horny Re- Mr. Rebecca de Hornay, Princeton interviewer. Nice. He just, he's like, oh, hookers. Okay, well, I mean, I'm not getting in. I'm not putting this kid through Princeton, but I'm going to screw some hookers in his house. <laughs> How did he not get the vibe that these women were getting paid for sex at that party. He did. Every he woman, to. you know, at this stage in the eighties, you're, you're walking in there. Every woman is a 10 mm-hmm. and they're with these total goobers that are 17 years old. Bronson Pinchot shows up. Well, he's you know, like, 46. how does that, how does he not, how does he not get tipped <laughs> off when he sees Pinchot walking around running the books, running the books with his, uh, audio, with cigar audio memo, and, memo and, uh, yeah, he's got his visor. He's got his poker visor. He's got that vest undone for no reason. There was that also, she was so annoying in that scene, too, because he's trying to have this interview with a Princeton guy, and she is just totally oblivious trying to get people in there to have sex. And he tells her, he's like, can you give me a minute? This meeting is really important. And she keeps barging in. I would have lost Absolute, it on That's her one takeaway from that scene? Yes. Oh, my God. It was, it was so, like, what? What redeeming qualities does she have? She has zero redeeming qualities. You can't even adhere to one thing that he asks. Just give me some time. This is an important meeting. Please don't come in this room. She comes in four times with like leaving the door open, setting up tables. Like go away. After stealing his egg, after screwing him, both figuratively and literally. (laughs) (laughs) And then the one part where he finally says... You know, sometimes what's what's the quote? Uh, some, the booger taught him. Some sometimes you just got to go. You got to say, say what the f? It, what the f? Which comes full circle at the end, which I loved. But he puts his glasses on and he says it to Lana, and but there, he doesn't just say it. He like grins for like yeah. f- for like yeah, ten I, seconds. He makes this weird, grin. literally cartoonish. That's, if that, you will, literally that shot could have ended the movie because it hung there for so yeah. long. <laughs> it was like the scene at the end of uh what was the one movie where he tried to get laid that had the weird ending where the kid broke the fourth wall at the end of the movie. <laughs> that was the same kind yeah. of like non-ending like, ending. Guess I'm going to University of Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then he does it like three days like <laughs> Yeah. It's like, it's like Ben Stiller playing Tom Cruise in Celebrity Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh boy but man. like even it was just it was just bonkers how that all played out and there was just so many women in that house i don't know how any of it like he's it's like the luckiest turn of events in film history i would think that he didn't get caught uh about this whole thing i mean maybe he did maybe uh, joey pants came back and murdered him the next day i, I mean know. you saw the neighborhood he lived in and there's there's 20 people out on the front lawn waiting their turn to get laid 
Uh, and the traffic's going like seven blocks. Yeah, there's yeah, there's football where, games going on in the streets. You have to realize that father is so anal. He's probably got another anal father buddy that lives next door. Yeah. They play yeah. golf. Just that guy isn't peeking thing. out his window saying like, what the F is going on in this house? I got to talk to him tomorrow. That had to have happened. Yeah. I'm calling the police. And then, and then, you know, in risky business world, the police end up banging the hookers <laughs> and everything. You know, they let them go. Of course. <laughs> Yeah, that had to have happened. And somehow the Losing It song comes on the background, even though it's the wrong movie. Losing it, abusing it. Oh, wait a minute. Did anyone look at the wiki yet? I don't no, but spoil I, I'm it. about to hit, I, I was about to call some IMDb There is trivia. a section called Original Ending, oh. which I'm intrigued by. Hit it, in the hit it. In the melancholic ending, while Joe is still accepted into Princeton, the film ends on an ambiguous note. Joel and Londa ponder the future, and Joel then asks Lana if their night together was a setup, which was still in. Lana denies this, but it is clear that Joel has difficulty believing her. Um, but uh, let's see. Crazy. she does not want her to get hurt, to which Lana exclaims in frustration, why does it have to be so tough? Joel asks Lana for her embrace, and they do, reluctantly. The scene and film conclude not with a quote from Guido, but with a voiceover, isn't life grand? Question mark. What? It's weird. It's a weird ending. It's probably why I wasn't included. It was making that <laughs> yeah, GD sense. <laughs> should have had oh, the ending line should just be Booger burping for 10 seconds. <laughs> 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 so that there's, there's some pretty great IMDb trivia uh, that I'm going to share with you. The sunglasses that Joel dons, it's the dons rather, <laughs> the ones that... Uh, uh, that he smokes the cigarettes in yeah. Ray-Ban Wayfarers. There you go. Which the that particular style was languishing as of 1983, but skyrocketed 2,000% wow. after the movie's release. Wow, this was 93? Uh, 83, Holmes. Oh, I was going to say. Uh, the dance scene with old-time rock and roll, totally unscripted. That was pure Tom. <laughs> uh, jumping on couches even back then. Hashtag pure Tom. Uh, and we have it's some pretty famous auditionees, auditioners for the role of Joel. And that was Harrison Tom Ford. Hanks, Nick Cage, John Cusack, Timothy Hutton. Just a wow. a star power. Who's who, if you will. And uh, Tom Cruise beat them all out. Uh, what a universe we would have lived in if it wasn't Tom and someone else. I don't know if I want to... Hmm. N- even think about Nicholas Cage and Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> uh, let's see what else do we have? Uh, Bronson Pinchot was actually sixty-one during the filming <laughs> of uh, Risky Business. He had just wrapped the Langoliers thirty-hour miniseries. Uh, Booger was thirty. That is a trivia question. Booger was actually thirty, Jesus. despite playing a high school student. Jeez Louise, scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning he was, what was Revenge of the Nerds, 82 maybe? Was this after Revenge of the Nerds? No, yeah, this this was post-Nerds. He was 29, 30 in Revenge of the Nerds? Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah, he's, a, he's, an older, he's an older chap. That's why they had to shave his facial hair to make him kind of look younger with that weird construct of a mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that bass fish mouth he's got. <laughs> Oh boy, what a movie. What a film. What a weird Excellent film. Movie. I I expected more from this film. 
not and not to f- was this your first time seeing it yes this is the first time i've seen it i've, I've yeah, seen this was my first one too i i just i felt completely uncomfortable most times and <laughs> like sexy rebecca dormant de mornay pulls off a sick like twisted like a user she's just a user yeah. and she put tom cruise in bad spots even by the end of the movie it's doesn't i didn't have happy feelings in another in another world this is like a horror thriller yeah yeah exactly should we talk about the movie within a movie and that's the train scene before we end the show <laughs> that uh that, that was 10 minute sequence when they make love on the train while the hobo yeah. is staring at them eating popcorn, which I thought was an interesting directorial choice. There actually was another one that was really weird, a little too on the nose, which was, I think, when he first had sex with Lana, I think the camera pans around and shows a picture of his youth, like him as a young kid, and like it's really too on what? the nose. Like, we get it. It's over. His youth is over. I was like, that's not what I want to see, like, post-coital like during coital just like young baby tom cruise how about more so the fact that she wanted to make love on a real train and not some steamer with a boxcar like a disgusting subway train (laughs) i thought they were going to go make love on a real train really you were expecting the kind of like two mile an hour yeah hobo train yeah yeah exactly like a romantic maybe the passenger car on a nice beautiful train no, no. I, I, like I think it fit with this character. Like she was like on the edge. She didn't have any problems stealing, you know, glass eggs, furniture. And there's no way she did not have something to do with his furniture to getting stolen. Like not even just yeah. the fact that she leaked his address. She got him out of the house by telling him she wanted to make love on a train. Yep. Hmm. She set him up. Yeah, I don't. I guess I never thought about it. I know he asked her that question. If it was like the whole thing was a setup, right? And and she right. lied to him, and he he. The real her. ending is when he strangles her and really does become that assassin from Collateral. Right. Sets him on the path. Remember an endless love where the dad got hit by the car and died <laughs> <laughs> while he was chasing Tom. How uncomfortable was that scene? Remember where the girl saw him at the scene of the death, and then they didn't. They fell back in love. They got back together, and then it was all destroyed again. Oh my god! When he went to I prison, mean, I, I love the fact that, that movie is like based yeah. on like seven coincidences happening yeah. in the course of these people's lives. They just set events in the right path, and they fight like they fight in the hotel lobby with James Spader. <laughs> His hair was amazing in that movie. Oh yeah, James Spader's feathered yeah. hair. Oh man, I feel like you did get to see the first glimpses of like movie star Tom when he's like smiling in some of these scenes or in the glasses, like you yeah. can finally see the, like we're finally getting into where it all started. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Definitely get vibes, strong Tom vibes. And so after this is legend, are we doing another uh, episode <laughs> or are we just rebroadcasting our previous legend episode? I don't know. Can I just podcast? loop uh, the song for a half hour? <laughs> I think, I think in good faith, we should just skip right to top gun. I mean, we've all watched and reviewed Legend. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could record, like, an intro to the Legend episode. Like, we can mm-hmm. post the audio from the Paper Keg edition of that. Like, and then we could introduce it and say, like, we record this, yada, yada, yeah, yada. Yeah, that'd be cool. We're starting to get into the good stuff here. Yeah. 
We're over the hump, guys. No more losing it to the world. Much to Dale's chagrin. Great movie. (laughs) Next week. No, I'm sorry. Not next week. It could be like three months from now. Let's be honest. (laughs) Next episode, we'll have Legend posting. But really, the real next episode, Jonesy, what's coming up next? Top Gun. Wow. Top Gun. Then, guys, listen. The Color of Money. Cocktail. Rain Man, born on the 4th of July, Days of Thunder, Far and Away, A Few Good Men, The Firm, Our Namesake Interview with the Vampire, Mission Impossible. That do anything for you? Just going through the whole Jerry Maguire filmography now. <laughs> <laughs> I just I you I want to really stop. really needed to give like three. I want to stop, but they're just getting they're getting so much better. I can't. We're 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 getting into the the golden age of Tom right now. So just strap in. It's you gonna know? be a great year. God, great life. We'll see everybody next time.